Villas Grace Church, building relationships that make followers of Jesus. Know, grow, go. To know him, to grow in him, to go with him. Good to be up here this morning as we continue our series in the book of James, Works of Faith. Last week, Pastor Matt preached his sermon, Patience While Suffering. We know as Christians, we will suffer here on this earth. It's undeniable and unavoidable. But we learn that suffering is temporary for those who've established their hearts for eternity. Today, we're going to kind of continue that subject and that line of thought as we continue. But before we do, let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, Lord, we love you and we praise you because you are the giver of all good things. Lord, we just want to hear your truth this morning and we don't want to leave here unchanged. So Lord, help us to hear your truth and help it to affect our hearts. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Up on the screen here, you'll see a picture of, this is called the Egyptian plover. Uh, To me, I think that's one of the bravest birds in the world. He's uh, sitting in the jaws of a Nile crocodile. Well, him or her, I don't know. I'm not a bird expert. Anyways, this is a picture of what's called a symbiotic relationship. A symbiotic relationship is defined as an interaction between two different species that frequently benefits one or both. As you can see, the picture of this bird... um, Here's how this relationship works. The bird comes in and he picks all the meat and stuff and all the gunk out of this crocodile's teeth. And obviously the the bird benefits because the bird gets to eat. Um, There's at least three different kinds of symbiotic relationships. There's one where they both benefit, like in this case. There's one where only one benefits and the other one is just kind of there. And then there's one where one benefits and it actually damages the other one, like in the case of like a parasite or something like that. But like I said here, the bird not only benefits by being fed, but what is going to mess with this bird while it's in the jaws of this crocodile's mouth? This is the safest bird in the world at this moment. As we prepare to get into our our text this morning, James describes our relationship with God in this manner. We have a symbiotic relationship. As Christians, we are extremely dependent upon God. Now, it's kind of hard to say which symbiotic relationship that is because God is really not dependent upon us for anything. However, I do believe that uh, he does benefit because we're his creation and he created us to have a relationship with us. So I guess in some way, shape, or form, God does benefit in, in that way. But the point is, as Christians, our best life is found sitting in the powerful jaws of the Lord, so to speak, where we could find our greatest safety and also our provisions. Our text this morning speaks about how dependent we are on God, not just for salvation, uh, but the ongoing battle and protection of living in this sin-cursed world and uh, also, the sin that, you know, that we take part in. Sometimes I think we forget the gospel isn't just about salvation. It's not one and done. We don't just say a prayer and the gospel's you know, something we put on a shelf and go, oh, look what, what I have. It's something that we use every single day. And that's exactly why the title of today's sermon is this. 
Still dependent upon God. Still dependent on God. The gospel is an everyday thing. So as Christians, we're dependent upon God's grace for salvation, but we're also dependent upon uh, God's grace for our everyday living. We were dependent on God's grace because when we were realized that we were hopeless sinners in need of a Savior, we were to place that faith in who Jesus is and what he did for us on the cross. And it's his grace that, give, that, that enlightened us to that. And it's his grace that saves us. But it doesn't stop there. We continue to rely on Jesus via the Holy Spirit to continue to make us more like him and change us every single day. This is especially true when you're talking about suffering and persecution. As we said, we will suffer as Christians, as human beings on this planet. And it is our faith in God that will get us through. So let's get into our text this morning. We'll be in James chapter 5, verses 13 through 18. And if uh, you, you don't have your Bibles, you can follow along as I read. The prayer of faith. Verse 13, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain, and for three years and six months it did not rain on earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. If we were to take these six verses and we were to condense them down into one main idea, we would get this. Like salvation, we are dependent upon God's grace to live powerful Christian lives. We are dependent, just like salvation, on God's grace if we're going to live powerful Christian lives. Last week we established, uh, like I said, that suffering will in fact happen in our everyday lives. Our only recourse is to pray to and depend on God for strength and guidance. If we want to be able to pray, like it said in there, the, uh, the prayer of, of, of Elijah, living in the power and the will of God, we must remember that we are completely dependent upon God's grace. Let's break these verses down to see why this main idea is true this morning. Going back to our first three verses. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up and if he's committed sins, he'll be forgiven. There's an old saying that, that goes like this, nothing lasts forever. It's true. Well, other than eternity. So we say in this life, nothing lasts forever. Whether we're suffering or not suffering, that will change. Just stay tuned. 
When we're not suffering, we should praise God. We should praise God for the blessings. We should praise God even when I'm sure when we are suffering from something because there is something to praise God for. But when we are suffering, when we're in the midst of suffering, some you know, miserable situation, obviously we should definitely at that point turn to God for comfort, for guidance, and wisdom. We should remember that he is near. He's, he's our Father in heaven. As children, when someone gets hurt, we run to our parents normally, is, is what happens. It's the same thing. But here's the thing. He alone can either rescue us from that affliction or give us the endurance and the peace to make it through. It's all according to his will. We need to remember to pray to God and thank him for the happy times that we experience in life and remember that every single good gift comes from him. That's why it says, if anyone, uh, let him pray. If anyone is cheerful, let him sing praises. Whether we're miserable, whether we're happy, this is our relationship with God. This is how we commune with him. This is our, when we're, we, we praise him for the good stuff, we ask him to help us with the bad stuff, just like any parent. But what about times of suffering and sickness? Let's get back to that. It says there in first, verse 14, if anyone among you is sick, let him call for the elders of the church. This is the first step. This isn't if we see someone, which is there's nothing wrong with that, going to them. But James is saying here specifically, if I'm sick or if I'm going through something, let me call for the elders of the church. We see that is the person who initiates this. It's the stepping out in their faith that's firstly important. They are the ones to seek out those who would pray for them. And then it says, gives us instruction after that. What should the elders do? Well, we see there two things, anointing with oil and praying in the name of the Lord. So let's talk about anointing with oil. So there, there's some debate of whether how important it is to anoint somebody with oil when we pray over them. Let me just give you a little bit of background. Throughout Scripture and church history, we find olive oil being applied to people for various reasons. In fact, in some ancient cultures, it was just kind of a way to, uh, it was a hospitality thing. If you came to their home, they would anoint you, giving you a place of honor. There's also some good physical infirmities that oil can cure with skin diseases and stuff like that. So we see that there's both physical infirmities throughout church history and throughout history for anointing with oil, and there's some spiritual ones. So anointing with oil in itself has no supernatural power. This is the point. So whether we do or whether we don't, it's, it's not as important to the second part. It takes an extreme backseat to the second part of this, which is praying in the name of Jesus. Church, this is where the power is, amen? If we're going to pray for something, if we're going to pray for something, we have to pray in the name of Jesus. We have no right by ourselves, or even if I had a hundred godly men standing on this stage, if we pray for something and we do not pray in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, what is the point? It's in his name it's in Jesus where there's power and forgiveness and healing. Only he has the power to forgive and heal, which he gained when he lived a perfect life, 
sacrificed himself on the cross and rose again, defeating sin and death. Only he has the power to defeat sin. This is why we pray in his name. And honestly, if we're we're honest this morning, sin is really what causes most of the calamities in, in, in the world. So if we, you're saying if we do this according to the text, we look at uh, verse 15. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick. So we have the person who is sick initiating it, coming to the elders. The elders anoint with oil or don't anoint with oil and pray over them. So we're saying the prayer of faith of these faithful people who will be praying will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he's committed sins, he will be forgiven. So that kind of raises two questions here. Is the person that we pray for always going to be healed? Think about that. And what does forgiveness and sin have to do with it? Well, first of all, whenever we pray for someone, and we kind of touched on it a little bit before, we must remember that we're to pray in the will of God. We know that... uh, Not everybody's going to be healed that we pray for. It might not be God's will that that person is healed in that moment or at all. But that's God's call. So we see right away that this is not a blank check. We don't just have a blank check and, you know, do what we want with it and just fill it in in the name of Jesus. And uh, God will just rubber stamp everything that we want. We see this through experience, obviously, and through the rest of Scripture. It's not a blank check. This is also not according to the measure of faith of those being prayed for or those that are praying. Let me clarify that. If I have faith and believe enough with my words, my faith is misplaced. My faith is not in me or how much I believe something is going to happen. My faith is in Jesus. My faith is in the will of Jesus and the perfect will of the Father. If we're going to pray that way, we have to have faith in God's perfect will, not our own. Because church, everything happens according to the will of God. If I had my way and I got to write a blank check and just have everything the way Pastor Jared wants it, y'all would be in big trouble. So what does sin have to do with this? Well, as we said before, sin causes suffering and sickness. It's the curse of sin that causes sickness and suffering. Sickness and suffering are the effect of living in a sin-cursed world, and sometimes it's brought on by our own actions. Probably more often than not. That's why it says in verse 15, if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. So we see the healing is not guaranteed. That's according to God's will, but the forgiveness is. As we pray these things, we may not be healed. We may not be pulled out of this situation we want right away, but the forgiveness is. If we have, it's, it's always good if you're going through an affliction, if you're going through a hard time to kind of self-reflect, is this something that I'm bringing on myself? 
Am I not doing the will of God? Am I not doing what God's asking me to, uh, to do? Or am I doing things I know I should not be doing? If so, this is an easy fix. We confess, we repent, and we're forgiven. Now, we might not be delivered immediately from our current situation, as we heard. We don't even really know if that's going to happen because it's going to happen according to God's will. But being made right before God will be the best place for us to be resting in any moment. Amen? Yeah, it's a good place to be, right? Being made right before God, have a right standing with God. That's what we want. And it brings us to our first point. Suffering is caused by the curse of sin and is sometimes self-inflicted. Again, I think it's really important to understand that. We, we must understand that sin is the cause um, of suffering. And we can expect to suffer, right? We, we kind of already established that. I think understanding this will help us in that because we know we will suffer. We know sometimes it will be caught on. Uh, caused by ourselves, but it, it, in any rate, it's the relying on Jesus 100% that's going to give us the power and the endurance to deal with these issues. And that reminds us of our main idea this morning. Like salvation, we are dependent upon God's grace to live powerful Christian lives. As believers, we are much like that little bird that sits in that, the croc's jaws. We are dependent on God. We find ourselves not only covered by his power, but his continual provision for our lives. When we're in the will of God, it allows us to live in the power of God, and that is how we pray great prayers of faith. So how do we put ourselves in that position this morning? Well, James explains in the final three verses. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another, that you may be healed. It's the prayer of a righteous person that has great power as it is working. Gives an example, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. I want you to keep that in your mind. Elijah was a man just like us. He prayed fervently that it might not rain, and for three years and six months, it did not rain on earth. Then he prayed again, a rain, and the earth bore its fruit. So confess your sins and pray for one another. This is what James is telling us to do as believers. There's two really good reasons for that, obviously, um, with other than the obvious one, that we'll have a right standing before God. But this is talking about church fellowship and how we interact with one another. See, as a church fellowship, we're a group of believers. We're going to sin against each other. It's going to happen. I'm going to at some point sin against you. You're at some point are going to sin against me. How are we supposed to be the children of God united in his power and in his love if we have unconfessed sin between each other? That's going to damage our relationship. According to this, if we want God to hear our prayers, we need to be honest with one another, and we have to squash that sin between each other. Sin can and will destroy ministries. I've seen it happen in churches before. 
It's unfortunate, but it's a reality of humans trying to do the work of God. We can't even worship properly if we have sin between us, like we learned last week uh, when we took part in communion. So we have to squash the sin between us if we're going to live in the power of God. Secondly, it puts us in the habit of praying for each other. Guys, I'll be honest with you, I need your prayers. I, I need, you know, Pastor Matt needs your prayers. Pastor Steve needs your prayers. Pastor Israel uh, in the, the Spanish church needs your prayers. We need your prayers. Just as you need our prayers. I need you to be thinking of me and, and praying for me as I fulfill my role as husband and of pastor and of father and of gramps um, and a, as employee, as neighbor. I, I need your prayers so that I might be able to glorify God in everything that I do in those roles. As we confess and we pray together, that's when God hear, hears us and he heals us and he strengthens us to defeat sin in our lives. It's when we keep that short sin account with God, confessing to sin, repenting, and receiving his forgiveness is where the powerful Christian life exists. If that's what we so choose, which is why God has us here. So could you imagine that if we all participated in that together as a church, keeping a short sin account between each other and between us and God. This is the only way that we could be counted righteous. If we want to be a righteous person, praying the prayers of faith is by doing this very thing. We cannot be righteous on our own, but together relying on God. This is exactly what James is saying this morning. And again, it's just like that little bird, trusting and, and relying on the fact that the crock will not destroy it but it allowed to reap the benefits of sitting there in the safety and the provision of its mighty jaws. James kind of wraps up this idea by giving us an example of a righteous man praying. So let's take a look at Elijah here. It says, Elijah was a man just like us, yet he prayed for famine, and then the rain, and then God answered, and he's counted as a faithful, righteous person. You can read about that in the book of 1 Kings if you so choose. The point being, there was nothing supernatural about Elijah, which, oh, by the way, if you know the story about him, he was basically raptured. He didn't taste death. He was human just like us. This is the point James is making. However, obviously, he was committed himself to knowing God's will, praying for God's will, and then being obedient to God's will. He knew who and what he had to, to depend on. When he prayed these, these prayers fervently that, that it would not rain, was he relying on how much he believed in order of whether or not that would be, come true? Was he basing this all on, well, if I, Lord, if I just believe enough, if I just believe enough, I'm going to believe more than anybody's ever believed a prayer before, ever, 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 that this is going to come true? Not at all. It was having enough faith to be obedient 
to what God was calling him to do so that he could be in the will and the power of God. If we want to be in the will and the power of God, we must certainly have to deal with the sin in our lives. The only way to do this is to be continuously in a state of confession and prayer. Listen, we should not only protect ourselves from this curse of sin, but we have to protect each other. Pastor Jared has to take care of Pastor Jared between me and God and me and you so that I can be of service to you guys, helping protect you from the curse of sin. And that brings us to our second point this morning. We defeat sin by confessing to and praying for one another. There is no way that we're going to be able to do this by ourselves. We defeat sin in our lives, and we help defeat sin in the lives of our sisters and brothers by confessing and praying to one another. I would encourage you to find somebody that you trust as a fellow Christian to be able to spill your dirt to. It's not easy, and it's a humbling experience, but you need a good sister or a good brother that you can spill your dirt to that can help you work through these issues. As I call up Joe, and we wrap up this morning, I want us to focus on this confession and prayer as we, as we deal, as it, as, as it uh, refers to sickness and, and suffering. Whether your sickness or your suffering is caused by the sin of this world or by your own personal sin, the cure is confession and prayer. This will help keep you in the safety of God's will and God's power. As we remember our first point, suffering is caused by the curse of sin and is sometimes self-inflicted. This is very true and very important to remember. We can be the cause of some pain and suffering in our lives, can't we? We're pretty good at that at times. I saw a meme the other day, and it kind of said this. It said, I finally found the source of all my suffering and pain, and it was a person looking into a mirror. It is like that. As believers, we fall into the we will fall into sin at some point. So let's take the mystery away from there. At some point, as believers, we will fall into some kind of sin. That's not the issue. The issue is what do we do when we realize this? Do we try to sweep it under the rug? Do we just hope nobody, you know, kind of you know sees that we're in sin? Or to realize that in order to sin, to recognize that sin between us and God, there needs to be confession and repentance. Even as I'm speaking now, maybe some of you are thinking, yeah, I can see where I do have a sin against my brother or my sister. Or I, 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 do, I do recognize that something in my life is something God does not want me to do. So I am, in that sense, sinning against God. So what do we do? We look at point number two. We defeat sin by confessing to and praying for one another. As believers, we're in a world that's not our home. Let me repeat that. We live in a world this is not our home. We're aliens here, is what, the, what Scripture tells us. That's why it's so hard to live here. 
We, we must remember that. And we, and we get so attached to the things of this world and we work so hard to attain the things of these, this world because a lot of them are necessities. But we forget that our number one goal should be to glorify God. As a believer, we profess Christ. We preach the gospel, but our goal should be to glorify God in every single thing that we do. Only way to do that is by confessing to and praying for one another. I need to practice this in my personal life so I can do it better corporately with you guys. We need to pray, pray the prayer of David. It's, it's not going to be on the screen, but let me read this for you. It's Psalm 139, 23 through 24. David says this, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. Think about what David's saying to God. And see if there's any grievous way in me and lead me to the way of everlasting. That might sound like an extremely scary thing to do. Um, invite a holy God into the depths of your sinful heart. Kind of seems unnerving, right? Well, the punchline is, is God already knows. <laughs> There's nothing you can hide from God. He, he knows our hearts. He knows our motives. He sees things that we're going to do before we do them. Praying a prayer like this is to enlighten us to our own sinfulness so that we can allow God in to help clean us up. Church, if we could do this together, both independently and together, God will help us become the church that he is calling us to be, which is hopefully the one that preaches the gospel and glorifies him on this earth. We remember our main idea this morning, like salvation, we are dependent upon God's grace to live powerful Christian lives. It's not about us trying harder, and it's not about us working harder or doing better, but again, relying on the grace of God to live a powerful Christian life. A powerful Christian life, one that can withstand suffering and can withstand persecution and hopefully advance the gospel. Let's pray. Dear Father, praise you for all the things you do to bless us. Care for and protect us when we're in the midst of suffering. But Lord, if it's your will that we're in a season of suffering, please give us the wisdom and the endurance to make it through. Help us to see where our own actions of sin may be causing some suffering. Forgive us and heal us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, look us up on our website, www.villasgrace.com or drop us a line via email, connect at villasgrace.com.